shock waves from our solar system and beyond this is a review of a book by robert shock forgotten civilizations it begins with a quote from plato there have been and will be again many destructions of mankind arising out of many causes the greatest have been brought about by the agencies of fire and water and other lesser ones by innumerable other causes just when you and other nations are beginning to be provided with letters and the other requisites of civilized life, after the usual interval, the stream from heaven, like a pestilence, comes pouring down and leaves only those of you who are destitute of letters and education. And so you have to begin all over again like children and know nothing of what happened in ancient times, either among us or among yourselves. Plato, the Timaeus. What we think of as the full history of human civilization is just the latest cycle of ascendance in a series. Humanity has flourished during these last 12,000 years, a brief period of stability in great turbulent forces that reign in our sun and beyond. This is the umbrella theme of Robert Schock's book, Forgotten Civilizations, a book which also includes references to a dozen other chapters of occluded science, well-documented experiments and observations that have been set aside by the scientific community because they don't fit into prevailing paradigms. The book is an invitation to a dozen research projects, but here I will try to summarize just one theme, cosmoclimatology. The stormy surface of the sun, Earth's magnetic field and ionosphere, the motion of our solar system through interstellar space, the seething black hole at the center of our galaxy. All these systems can erupt periodically in ways that are threatening to life on Earth. In the approximate two million year history of hominids, there have been many worldwide calamities of celestial origin and more of geologic origin. The latest of these, have destroyed civilizations and our memory of technologies that were once highly developed. Robert Schock's wide-ranging book is a breath of fresh air for people like me who think that the scientific community has been willfully blind to diverse findings that would require rethinking of established paradigms if they were accepted. I'll focus here just on chapters 7 through 9 out of 15. These discuss cosmoclimatology, which is influence of astronomical systems on the Earth's atmosphere. Our sun and even the galactic core have been subject to periodic disturbances that are associated with extinction-level effects on a living Earth. But first, let's remember some reasons to take these possibilities seriously on a human timescale. The Carrington event of September 1859 was the result of a solar flare that happened to be pointed toward our planet. At the time, telegraph wires were the only widely deployed electrical technology. The electrical disturbances caused by particles from the sun blew out telegraph systems and shocked their operators. A comparable event in 2023 could knock out computer systems globally and fry the transformers which are essential to power grids around the world. 
From about 1600 to 1800, there was a little ice age with temperatures noticeably colder than anything we recognize in our lifetimes. In Europe and North America, there was a lot of snow. Ice lasted longer into the spring, and growing seasons were much shorter. The Egyptian pyramids were built with technologies that we cannot reproduce in the 21st century. Hollow stone vessels and core drill holes attest to a capacity to work with hard rock that today's science cannot support or even explain. A thousand-ton foundation stone in Lebanon is ten times larger than any crane today could lift. I referenced these and other anomalies in a 2021 article. Uh, all these and many references are provided in the written version of this article. There are extensive ancient tunnel systems in Europe, South America, and Asia. The best known are in Derinkuyu in Turkey. There are miles and miles of underground tunnels, living quarters for tens of thousands of people, space for gatherings, for cooking, for keeping livestock, all in seven layers going down to 85 meters below the surface. Shock states the obvious. Such underground cities were not built with hand shovels, and there must have been powerful motivation to move living quarters underground. A natural hypothesis is that before the 12,000-year time frame for which we have historic records, there was a highly developed technological civilization, and there were long periods of ultraviolet or cosmic rays or other conditions that compelled whole communities to seek refuge underground. The End of the Last Ice Age the Younger Dryas is the name geologists give to the end of the last ice age. There were two dramatic events about a thousand years apart, with a return to freezing conditions in between. There are competing theories for the cause of the sudden warming. Schock believes that the ice age ended with a series of solar storms. One of the pieces of evidence that he cites is vitrification of human-carved stone monuments, Vitrification means melting of stone, creating a glass-like consistency on the surface. He's found forts in Scotland, stones on the Giza Plateau and elsewhere in Egypt that show signs of vitrification. He takes this as evidence, first, that the monuments and the pyramids themselves are much older than the Egyptian dynasties, 5,000 years, and in fact, older than the younger Dryas, 12,000 years, and second, that there were severe solar outbursts sending tongues of plasma into space from the sun's atmosphere, touching down on Earth and causing these vitrifications locally. Also, part of the story, people lived in underground cities to escape dangerous levels of radiation on Earth. Smaller mammals also were able to burrow underground, but the extinctions of sloths, mammoths, saber-toothed tigers and other megafauna during this period occurred because large mammals could not hide underground. The solar storms melted glaciers the world over, causing flooding which imprinted mankind's mythic history, including Noah's flood, the story of Gilgamesh, Manu and Matsya, and countless indigenous legends. Schock speaks of the solar cataclysm as causing a die-off of humanity. The most technically advanced groups tended to live near the seacoast, 
which were suddenly under a hundred meters of water, and their economies were more fragile, depending on trade with distant lands for the essentials of life. Only primitive peoples survived. Thus began a global dark age, from which civilization began to reemerge only 6,000 years later in the Indus Valley, the Yangtze Valley, the Nile Valley, and the Fertile Crescent of Mesopotamia. Sunspots, Solar Storms, and Earth's Climate Sunspot activity is approximately cyclical, with a period of 11 years. The sun's magnetic field varies on a 22-year cycle, reaching a minimum and flipping direction when sunspots are at a maximum. The average 11-year cycle can vary by a year or two. There have been 24-plus recorded cycles since sunspots were first tracked in 1755. Sunspots are magnetic storms on the sun's surface, unrelated to the energy generation that is occurring at the sun's core. They appear dark because they are slightly cooler than the average 5,800 degree surface temperature, but sunspots are fringed by areas where temperatures are hotter than 5,800 degrees, and indeed, the hotter temperatures more than make up for the cooler sunspots. During periods when sunspots are more numerous, the Earth is warmer, but it's not because of luminosity from the sunspot fringes. Rather, magnetic storms on the sun send plumes of ionized gas which increase the Earth's high-up magnetic field and deflect cosmic rays. Cosmic rays are an important mechanism for seeding clouds in the lower atmosphere, so fewer cosmic rays means lower cloud cover albedo, which is reflecting of sunlight back into space, and more of the sun's radiation reaches the Earth. Reading this chain of reasoning, I'm reminded what an MIT colleague told me long ago. Computer models of the world's climate future are woefully inadequate. Atmospheric, oceanic, geological, and astronomical systems interact in more ways than we can model and some of the key inputs have not even been quantified. The sun moves. We think of the sun as motionless at the center of the solar system. 99.8% of the mass of the solar system is in the sun. We may correct this to say that the sun goes around the fixed center of mass of the solar system, which is always a few solar diameters outside the sun. But this is not quite accurate either. It's true for two bodies that they orbit stably and predictably about their common center of mass, but for a system of three or more bodies, the motion is complex. It is chaotic in the technical sense of the word. Long-term prediction is impossible because the motions are too sensitive to tiny variations in the present measurement, the butterfly effect. In the present case, the sun moves in an epitrachoid returning to near its starting place about every 20 years. But the motion never repeats itself exactly when the sun is swinging through the smaller circle of the epitrochoid. The acceleration churns up more motion and magnetic storms are more likely. At present, 2023, we are approaching a sunspot maximum, higher Earth temperatures, and finishing a tightly wound epicycle of the epitrochoid. In the short term, up to a few hundred years, we can predict the sun's motion accurately, 
but we don't yet know enough about the effect of the orbit on solar storms or the effect of solar storms on the Earth to draw conclusions about the probability of events that might affect us. 100,000-year cycles in Earth's climate. I include a plot here from a comprehensive 2016 article published prominently in Nature, which reconstructs 2 million years of the Earth's average temperature. The source is mostly abundance of oxygen-18 in ancient ice cores from glaciers that are at least that old. And there's another plot coming from a 2013 document compiled by Australian Academy of Science looking at a shorter period of 800,000 years and not specifying their methodology. If you refer to the text version of this article, you can see differences in these two graphs. Determining the temperature hundreds of thousands of years ago is not an exact science. There are, however, some points of consensus. There's a cycle of approximately 100,000 years. We're near the high temperature peak of the latest cycle. These peaks arise suddenly. Suddenly means several thousand years, but they subside more gradually. The amplitude of these cycles is about 10 degrees centigrade. For comparison, global warming since 1900 is only one degree centigrade. So most of the time, the Earth trends much colder than the climate to which we are accustomed. The cycles of 100,000 years are apparent, but there's no agreement about the driver behind them. The norm is for all of Canada and the northern half of USA and Europe to be covered in thick sheets of ice that we now associate with the extreme Arctic and Antarctic. As recently as 12,000 years ago, New York was under a two-mile-thick ice sheet. Hard to imagine. And yet, this was recent history. Anatomically modern humans have been around for 300,000 years, and most of this time has been in what we would call an ice age. There is a meme that is driving climate panic. The Earth is hotter than it has been in 100,000 years. The statement is true, but we can see it in a different light. We are near a cyclic peak in temperature that had nothing to do with humans or CO2 emissions until industrial mining of fossil fuels pushed the temperature up one extra degree. The warm temperatures of the last 10,000 years have enabled the remarkable flowering of human civilization, which has only recently become a blight upon the ecosphere. We must expect that the long-term trend is for dramatically colder temperatures, and it's arguable that human activity has already delayed a return to ice age conditions. More worrisome than the cyclic changes are the extraordinary events, solar outbursts that we don't know how to predict. The largest recent solar ejection occurred in July of 2012, as reported by NASA. This event was bigger than the Carrington in absolute terms, but it was pointed in a different direction and missed planet Earth. We know little about the causes of the more energetic events and less about the statistical distribution of their strength and frequency. Shifting magnetic poles. Compasses have not always pointed north. The Earth's magnetic pole flips every 200 to 300,000 years, but the most recent reversal took place 780,000 years ago. This was a time when early hominids were alive, 
but the entire 300,000-year tenure of Homo sapiens in our modern form has not known a pole flip. A pole flip is preceded by a weakening and then disappearance of the Earth's magnetic field. Without a magnetic field to deflect cosmic rays, radiation levels at the Earth's surface can be dangerously high. Cosmic rays seed clouds, increasing the Earth's albedo and cooling the planet. They would also deplete the ozone layer that protects this Earth's surface from the sun's UV. The magnetic field of the Earth has been weakening in the last two centuries for which data have been recorded. The effect seems to be accelerating and the poles are also drifting in position at an increasing rate. Since 2000, the North Magnetic Pole has shifted about a thousand kilometers. From Canada, it has crossed into the Eastern Hemisphere, headed for Siberia. There are alarmist books and videos on the web, and there are official assurances from NASA and NOAA. Shock takes the position that we really don't understand enough to say definitively whether a pole shift is presently underway, but he quotes extensively from Russian geophysicist and catastrophist Dr. Alexei Dmitriev. There is a growing probability that we are moving into a rapid temperature instability period, similar to the one that took place 12,000 years ago. This high-energy atmospheric phenomena, which was rare in the past, is now becoming more frequent, intense, and changed in its nature. These fundamental processes of change create a demand within all of Earth's life organisms for new forms of adaptation. The natural development of these new forms may lead to a total global revision of the range of species and life on Earth. It's evident that we are faced with a problem of the adaptation of humanity to this new state of the Earth. End of the quote from Dmitriev. The center of our galaxy. Like most, possibly all galaxies, our Milky Way sports a black hole at its center. Ours contains the mass of about four million stars, and as it swallows up gas and whole stars, it shoots out particle beams, which appear to us as cosmic rays. Paul Le Violette has been the foremost advocate of the view that violence at the center of our galaxy, 30,000 light years away, can have major impacts on conditions in our solar system and on the Earth's surface. Quote from Le Violette, it's proposed Outbursts of cosmic ray electrons from the galactic center penetrate the galaxy relatively undamped and are able to have a major impact on the solar system through their ability to vaporize and inject cometary material into the interplanetary environment. It's suggested that one such superwave passing through the solar system toward the end of the last ice age was responsible for producing major changes in the Earth's climate and for indirectly precipitating the terminal Pleistocene extinction episode. Note that this is not inconsistent with Shock's hypothesis of solar storms ending the Ice Age. The superwave from the galactic core can bombard the sun, precipitating solar storms. La Violette then goes on to cite evidence for this hypothesis from isotope levels in the 12,000-year-old ice cores, as well as astronomical observations. Particle beams from the center of our galaxy have the potential to disrupt our environment in many different ways. 
creating comets, increasing risk of meteor impacts, stimulating the sun to heightened activity, which would warm the earth, showering earth with cosmic rays, which would cool the earth, damaging the ozone layer, which protects life on the surface from the very cosmic rays that would, at that time, be at peak strength, seeding clouds that cause cooling. Interstellar dust clouds. Our galaxy is a big family of objects, some condensed like planets, stars, and various types of black holes, some dispersed like nebulae and clouds of gas and dust, roughly speaking. We are all in orbit around the galactic center, but every object is on its own path, attracted to whatever happens to be passing by. At present, our solar system is on the verge of entering a dust cloud, located in the direction of the constellation Hercules, traveling at a relative velocity about 20 kilometers per second. This dust is very diffuse, finer than the best vacuums we're able to create on Earth. Nevertheless, it's tens of thousands of times denser than the surrounding interstellar medium. The story was first presented 45 years ago by Alfred Vidal Madiar in the Astrophysical Journal. Normally, the interstellar medium is kept out of the solar system by the positive pressure created by discharge from the sun. Even in quiet times, the sun is sending streams of particles out in all directions, the solar wind which pushes out the interstellar medium somewhere beyond the orbits of Neptune and Pluto. The collision velocity with the dust cloud is likely to create pressure that can overcome the solar wind. What happens when this dust enters our solar system, traveling at high speed? The most likely effect, according to Jeffrey Winters and again Dmitriev and La Violetta, is to bombard the sun, increasing solar activity and warming the earth, while increasing surface UV and cosmic rays to levels that would be unhealthy for life. Is this a hint about the original purpose of those ancient tunnels and underground cities found all over the planet, mentioned at the beginning of this article, and described by a German husband and wife team referenced in the written version? Postlude. It's a major theme in evolutionary history that natural selection takes place at a rate faster than geological and ecological changes. This results in species being too well adapted to whatever specific conditions happen to prevail at the time. Over and over, species have suffered extinction when conditions changed and they were no longer well adapted. So, evolution has found pathways to robustness, insurance against change. For example, our genome contains inactive copies of genes that were useful in the past, and they're retained because they may again be useful sometime in the future. For hundreds of thousands of years, our human culture has been diverse and robust, but presently, capitalism has driven our world toward global integration, complex supply chains for essentials of life, just-in-time delivery schedules combined with complex global trade networks. Our world economy is very efficient and very fragile, becoming more so every year. Thinking about our vulnerability to unpredictable cosmic events may help motivate us as a species to step back, 
toward more diversity, more local self-sufficiency, more innovation. The future of humanity may depend upon it.